I can't wait for you to hear these inspiring stories. So consider this podcast your training on the road to the 2018 Winter Olympics. Well, you know, Fitz, it's one of the things that, as you're growing up, what do you do as a kid? I was told many times that being an amputee, I couldn't make these certain moves. That was a moment where the sport changed. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick for Hearst Television, but you can call me Fitz. Brenna Huckabee, learn that name. My prediction is she's going to be one of, if not the, biggest name at the 2018 Paralympics. Brenna is 21, and in 2017, she became the world champion in Paris snowboard cross and bank slalom. The crazy thing is, she achieved that only seven years after an amputation. The crazier thing is, she had taken 2016 off to have a baby. A baby she was not supposed to be able to have. You have to hear her tell the story of finding out she was pregnant. It's unbelievable. In this Call Me Fits, how Brenna Huckabee balances sports, motherhood, and her immense disdain for anyone who thinks she can't do something. Well, this might be one of the strangest places I've recorded a podcast. Really? <laughs> what <is>. a guest. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You win. <laughs> Brenna Huckabee, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for having me. That's okay. It's, this is the little practice part. Okay, this is called ground rules. This is where I ask, is there anything off limits with you? No. Nothing. No. You don't have like a saucy past, do you? I don't. No, you don't. No. <laughs> I'm pretty boring. <laughs> oh, you're not boring. There's nothing boring about you. Okay. My only rule is that you call me Fitz because that's Kay. my nickname. And um, yeah, that's, a, that's it. All right. Let's do this. Right. Rana Huckabee, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I want to describe where we are. We are in a 24-hour fitness right now. We're in the group exercise room. And we have the podcast equipment set up on top of step aerobics steps. <laughs> it's super convenient. <laughs> it is actually. You know what? The steps are working just fine for this. Yeah, it's pretty cozy. I was a step aerobics teacher back in the day. Oh, how'd that go? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> I was horrible. Absolutely horrible. But I uh, moved on to other things. So let's talk a little bit about, about your road to pursuing the Paralympics and in two events in snowboard. How did you get here? Um, yeah, it started since I was a child in gymnastics. Um, I was competing in regional and national levels, and that ended when I had a knee pain that we couldn't diagnose for about a year. And so a lot of times if you're in gymnastics or something, because you were high-level gymnastics mm-hmm. even as a little one, you know, knee pain is pretty normal. Everything hurts. Absolutely. Because so, you're working out in the gym all exactly. day had Exactly. That's why I had the knee pain for a year. It was like a convenient knee pain because it mostly hurt on vault and I hated vault well yeah I so mean, like a sign <laughs> exactly so my coaches were like oh she just wants to get out of vault um and so finally my mom had had it and took me to the doctor for the second time uh the first time they didn't see anything so the second time they saw the tumor and that's how I got here I guess interesting so was it a given once they saw the tumor that an amputation was going to be the the best way around no. So they saw the tumor and at first they thought it was benign, which is not cancerous. And that's when I went to a hospital just to double check. I got a mm-hmm. biopsy and we were very surprised that it was cancer. At that point, I had two options to save my leg or to amputate. And at that moment, I chose to save my leg. Um, and it wasn't until 
about a month later, my knee pain through chemo got worse. And that's where they noticed my tumor was getting bigger. So saving my leg was out of the question. And amputation was my only option at that point. And you're how old at that point? I was 14. That is a lot. for. I mean, like being a 14-year-old girl, let's be honest, not so great anyway no. sometimes. But then adding that in, um, how, did, how did you guys handle that? You know, it was just another, I mean, it sounds weird and bizarre, but it was just another day. It was another thing to to deal with, I guess. Um, my parents were super supportive in it, and I think we all just looked at it just another day as another thing to overcome and to do, you know, chemo. Sometimes when you're in the heat of stuff like that, you just kind of march, right? Right, exactly. You just, you just move on. You go, okay, that's what we got to do. That's what we're going to do. Exactly. It wasn't honestly until after I was done with chemo and everything until it really set in of like what happened and where I was. So if you're a kid who's been doing gymnastics every day at a high level, whether she liked the vault or she didn't, um, you need something. And did people around you recognize right away that you were going to need a thing for this new phase in your life in terms of a sport or something that would give you a different kind of identity? Um, not so much immediately after. I think it was something that was seen about a year, mm, six months to a year after where I wasn't doing anything at all. Like nothing really worked out. And I think that's my parents were like, something's got to change. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started swimming and water skiing because my so, parents. And back then you're living in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Not exactly the hotbed for no. all things snowboard. No. <laughs> so how do you uh, make the transition to snow? Right. Um, my hospital sent me on a ski trip to the National Ability Center in Park City. And it was just a rehabilitation thing. You know, they didn't think a career would come out of it. No. It was really just to like do something new and to prove that you can do things after an amputation. Had you ever seen snow? I had in Ohio. And it was like, it's not the same. no, it was like two inches, but I threw a snowball and it didn't really form, but I still threw it. And that was really wow. exciting. Okay. So you get on the snow in Utah and what happens? I instantly fell in love. Um, it was hard. I was falling like every two inches, but it didn't matter because it was a challenge and it was something that I felt like I could be good at. And just knowing that I could be good at it and not being good at it immediately just gave me a thrill and a drive that so I missed. So how do you end up pursuing it as not only a sport, but also a career? Like, how do you make that transition while living in Baton Rouge? Right. Um, so I was told about the Paralympics and snowboarding becoming a thing. And at that moment, I decided I was going to do it. I was going to be a Paralympic snowboarder. And, and the people around you said what? Oh, my friends were like, and everyone I went to school with, like, oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah we'll see you, you then. Yeah, okay. You'll be great, Brenna. Right, yeah. All right, how are you going to do that? I'll see you in home room. Right. But yeah. my mom and my dad were like, okay, what are we going to do to make it happen? And that was when my mom and dad obviously made the decision together to have my mom move out to Utah. Wow. And I would go with her, and she would work as a nurse, and mm -hmm. I would snowboard. And so when you start doing it on a regular basis, do you get good quickly? I did. You did? Yeah. I mean, I was going to school for about two hours a day online, um, but at school. Mm -hmm. And then I would snowboard for the rest of the day. And just being on snow and training and pushing myself. I was told many times that being an amputee, I couldn't make these certain moves. No other amputee is making this move. No other, you know. And so... Whenever I heard that, I was like, oh, watch me. So I would spend all day learning to make those moves, and those moves are the reason I'm winning today. Wow, that is something. So what are the nuances when you're an amputee to snowboarding? And, and let's talk a little bit about, because you do two events, mm -hmm. World Champion in two events. Um, what's different about the way your snowboard fits onto your leg 
and the type of prosthetic that you use to be able to do that? Um, so do you mean my snowboarding like specifically? That was an awful question. <laughs> I don't even understand what I just said. No. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the, the mechanics of how you snowboard because you are an amputee above the knee. Yes. So what is it, what is your prosthetic to be able to snowboard? You have a special snowboard yes. leg. So my snowboard leg doesn't walk. So it's not like a hinge like your knee does. All it is is an up and down motion. And then I also have a foot that kind of mimics your ankles um, back and forth motion. And that allows me to absorb and turn mm-hmm. um, with having the stability and the compression to like absorb things. And the foot goes into a boot. Yes. And that boot then attaches into the binding on the snowboard. Yes. And the only modification I have from there is in between my boot and my binding, I have a wedge, uh, just a piece of wood that keeps uh, my center of mass over my board because my prosthetic would tend to make me heel heavy. Got it. So with your two events, one is snowboard cross, Mm -hmm. which is like the craziest sport I think out there. I love it. The easiest way to describe it, I would say, is... Bunch of people start at the top, first one down wins. Absolutely. Is that right? Yeah. That's easy. pretty much it, right? Yeah. And then no style points. Nope. Is it four in Paris? We do two right you now. You do two. Yes. Um, we're hoping that it'll be four for next one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how does it differ from traditional able-bodied snowboard cross? Or um, does it? Yeah. The main difference is the amount of people we have on a course. And then right now our courses are a little bit smaller. They're still okay. really fast. How and long is a course? Um, it ranges from 45 seconds to about a minute and a half. Yeah. It's like the best minute ever, though. Yeah, no, it is. And it feels so much longer. Like, Does it really? Yeah, to me. Because, <laughs> like, you know, like, you're so focused on every little thing that you're no, I don't know, it's just warp speed, but not at the same time, if that makes sense. Are people at the top of the hill before you go down, are people aggressive with each other? No. No? No. We, and I don't know, how, I can't say this is the same for Able Body, but it's one thing that I love about Parasport is we're a big family. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I mean, there is a lot of you know it's still a lot of pressure but everyone is still encouraging everyone and having fun at the top and I love that so your second event is being solemn which means what it's instead of multiple people it's single and it's less jumps and more turns and is it based purely on speed or are there style points in there too no speed it's just time speed and staying upright yep yeah exactly which do you like better border cross you do oh yeah (laughs) why because the adrenaline and it's unpredictable. Being slalom is relatively predictable in the sense of like if you're getting a fast time and you know you can see where you are. Yeah, you can't see where you are in border cross all the time. So, from the time you decided I want to pursue Paralympics to now, how long has that been? Um, five and a half years, which is not a long time Mm-mm. to become the best in the world at what you do. Mm-mm. So why? This is such a weird question, but why do you think you're so good? I think most of it's my gymnastics background um, with, I never really had to relearn balance, coordination, body awareness, air awareness, and Mm self-discipline. You know, just being out there every day and being in the gym and eating right and making sure I'm doing all of this. I never had to teach myself how to do that. I just do it. Um, And I think that's from my childhood in gymnastics. You spend a lot of time in the gym. Mm -hmm. You're kind of a big deal in the gym. (laughs) There's a guy at the 24-hour fitness where we are right now, and he said that he sees you he said this in a non-creepy way he said he sees you across the gym and he's just blown away by how strong you are wow yeah. that makes me feel good yeah no, he said he said she's so strong and he said you're really um intense in a really good way just very very focused well you have to be yeah um I think one thing and I don't 
really think everyone, I think this is important for everyone, but not everyone notices it. When you're in the gym, um, doing everything properly is more important than how much you're doing or how fast you're doing it. This is the form, not yes. repetition. And so, and really like keying into what muscles are firing and moving. And so I, that's probably why I seem so intense. I'm really like focused on my body and like trying to feel what's going on and where. Do you listen to music when you work out? Oh yeah. What do you listen to? Um, usually like some kind of hip hop slash rap that just kind of like gets me pumped up but uh-huh. not too pumped up do you have a song you play right before you compete oh yeah what is it um i can't think of like the artist's name because it's spelled weird um but it's gold like the name of it it's it was popular yeah i don't know just like something about like all the different sounds I yeah i just love it do you play the same song each time mm, yep on repeat all are, day <laughs> are snowboarders as superstitious as other athletes other sports i can't speak for everyone but i am but i think it's comes from my gymnastics background Mm -hmm. you know and so like that's one like my music and this is kind of gross but if I have a good training day in a pair of socks I will rewear those socks on my competition day seriously yeah (laughs) that is so funny I know so many people do that well, and it's like one of the things that like when I have can't a good go day wrong. at work, I don't go, I'm wearing those socks no. tomorrow. People were on their game today. I felt good. <laughs> you know, when you put it that so weird. get away with that. <laughs> That's so true. But you know what? It gets back to what you're saying. It's the consistency. Yeah. It's the repetition. Even sock wearing can be. Exactly. Consistent. And you can get in trouble with having like a specific ritual because. I mean, if you're somewhere and you can't have that, yeah. and, you know, your day could be blown. But right. I'm always wearing socks. <laughs> do, you, do you do the same thing with food? I used to. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, because I used to do a smoothie. I had to have a specific smoothie, and then we couldn't find the smoothie. Ah. Mm. So I was like, I can't that was do food. A yeah. What's the coolest place you've gotten to go travel to compete? Um, my two, I get because I can't break it down to one. Um, I love Chile and Austria. Those have been my favorite places so far. Have you been all over the world? Um, not all over, but to more places than most at yep. my age. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So you threw a big kink into your training and competition schedule. You became a mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 16 months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you a little girl. How's that going? Oh, it's great. Um, oh, it's funny. I was competing pregnant, but had no idea. So that was interesting. Really? She's, yeah, she's already won two World Cups. In my you tummy. won World Cups while you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. You're like Serena Williams, <laughs> right? I, I wish. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That's really interesting. Did you have any inkling? No. So I was told that I couldn't have kids. It was also on birth control. And so I mean, when you can't have kids and on birth control, why would you think that you're pregnant? Wow, because yeah. you're an overachiever, right? right? <laughs> that's really yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> so, but going to now, like. It's great. Like, I think it gives me an extra drive. Um, I mean, it makes it a lot harder, but yeah. I think it gives me that extra, like, push that I can't always give myself. So how, that, that's such a good point, because I think that this is something any working mom kind of has to figure out, or any working parent for that, that matter. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out, like, how to use your time. Right. And the interesting thing about some athletes at your level is they have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. So, like, things like sleep, like, you schedule in hours and hours of sleep and naps and all that kind of thing. Babies don't let you do that. No. Yeah. No. So how, what did you have to change in the way you competed and trained to accommodate that? Uh, I am just really good at scheduling and organizing my day. Um, I know I'm also in school, which is like another thing in itself. Because you have a lot of free time. Right. I I don't know why I'm doing this myself. (laughs) Um, So typically, like any smart person would nap whenever their kid naps. But I am doing schoolwork whenever my child naps. Yeah. Um, 
What are you studying? Right now, I'm just doing my generals. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope to get a finance degree in the future, but I'm technically about to enter my sophomore year. So it's kind of a long time coming, but yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, But yeah, I just schedule everything. Uh, I just make sure that like every part of my day is productive. Yeah, which is hard and exhausting. And at night, I'm like, oh, sleep. And then Lila's like, 2 a.m. I'm going to cry for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) What surprised you about becoming a mom? Um, The most surprising thing to me, and I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I thought whenever I'd become a mom, just something would like come over me and I would just be like this super mature adult and like different. But like, I'm still the same, Brenna. And I I love that about it. And I just... I'm the same person and I get to share that with my daughter and I get to like bring her along in my life rather than like changing my life around yeah. her. It's like, it's like having an adventure partner, another one, I guess, but you know, does that make sense? It absolutely makes yeah. sense. That's the kind of cool thing about kids is that there's all this stuff that you've forgotten about that, that really turned you on when you were a kid that you were right. raised by and then you get to re-experience them because there's all this, there's all this stuff like you haven't noticed in a long time. Right. Like, ladybugs right or frogs or like rocks like rocks <laughs> rocks are so cool especially when you throw them but there's a lot of that kind of stuff and you get to like re-experience it right. through their eyes and it makes it really fun that is true but if you're a world-class athlete it's exhausting it is yeah it's really tiring <laughs> so let's look ahead to uh, the paralympics coming up in south korea you have a pretty specific goal some athletes mm-hmm. don't want to put it out on the line you're putting it out on the line mm-hmm. what's the goal i want double golds i want two gold medals one in border cross and one Big solemn. When's your qualification? Um, we will. My first qualification is in November, um, but we won't know if we've qualified until February. Wow. So until then, it's keep on keeping on. Yep. My eyes. I'm just snowboarding, having fun, and working hard, taking care of the baby. And obviously, yeah. I mean that comes first, <laughs> without saying. Well, thank you so much for joining us here in the group exercise room at the lovely 24-hour fitness where people think you're kind of a big deal. Oh, good luck to you in the next couple of months. Thank you. You can follow Brenna Huckabee on Twitter and Instagram at Bren underscore Hux and on Facebook at Brenna Huckabee. She posts some great pictures of her daughter, Lila, who, yes, is snowboarding before the age of two.